0: Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, God, for the power in you to turn our hearts toward you. Thank you, God, for convincing our souls and hearts and minds that you are an unrivaled king. There's no one greater, no one higher, no one better. None more worthy, none more deserving than you. And Father, we ask that today you would make that as clear, as crystal clear, a 2020 vision toward beholding you. That we would say life is about God. Life, my life is about God. And Lord, we ask that you would do that today through the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please please turn to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, as we get to a passage that is familiar to many of you all, the golden calf passage. In some ways, the golden calf passage sounds like it's an old Sunday school lesson and not so much one that we hear too much on Sunday mornings. And I hope that today we, we go against that a little bit. I hope that the golden calf passage today speaks right to you and you understand yourself much better and you look at Jesus uh, with a much clearer vision. You find yourself trusting and uh, wanting to follow hard after God. Uh, sometimes at birthday parties, we like to go to Chuck E. Cheese and take the kids. We've found that if you buy like the the string cheese that you give your kids at home, and, you know, our kids like to eat string cheese. Those, those packages that the string cheese come in come with Chuck E. Cheese coupons. So we have found a way to be able to go to Chuck E. Cheese for free and not even have to spend any money. We go to Chuck E. Cheese and the coupons are on the string cheese and they give us the tokens and we play games and then we leave. And Val makes a cake at home. And so we've been able to go to Chuck E. Cheese without spending any money. It's been pretty cool. We go there and one of the things that they have at Chuck E. Cheese set up are those funny mirrors. Do you all know what funny mirrors are? I hate funny mirrors. I really do. I don't like looking at those. You know those where it's like you look at them and it can make you look about that tall. And you look at one, it makes your head look like gigantic. And those funny mirrors and, you know, we look at those funny mirrors and I think we, we don't need mirrors to make us look worse. We need mirrors to make us look better. It's like looking into that is not helping me with who I am. Right. Um, last night we were, Val and I were having dinner and the, the restaurant that we were at had a funny, me, funny mirror at the checkout. And Val said, hey, look, look at this, there's a funny mirror here. I said, I'm not looking at that funny mirror, I don't want to. I, I don't really like those things. I don't want something that makes me look worse. I want to try to find something that makes me look better. But every once in a while we get something that we look into and we think, man, that's, that's helping me see myself very clear. And I think we can all admit here today that we all struggle to see ourselves rightly. We have a habit of viewing ourselves better than we are. And some of us have a habit of viewing ourselves worse than we are. We're always beating ourselves down. And a lot of times, after we beat ourselves down, we build ourselves back up thinking that we're better than what we are. We just don't really see ourselves clearly. It's kind of like a funny mirror, the way we view ourselves. But in Deuteronomy 32, we have the people of God. Set free from slavery, passed through the the ten plagues, on their way to the promised land, being led by a real and personal God that communicates to them, being led out by Moses, who is their leader, who talks to God the way God talks to a friend. And then all of a sudden, they just go off the wall and start worshiping a golden calf. And you're like, what in the world? But I want to tell you here today that if we read this passage and we walk through it slowly, you're going to see yourself. I saw myself reading Exodus 32. And If you'll listen and you'll be open, I want you to know today that you will see yourself in this passage. Read with me, if you will, at Exodus chapter 32, starting in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. I'm going to stop right there. Where is he? Y'all know. Moses up on the mountain getting the commands from God. You know that, right? God uh, has already spoken to Moses. And God has already spoken to the people of Israel. But now he's got Moses up on Mount Sinai. That's where Moses is. They're there talking to God. He told the people to wait down at the bottom. I think Joshua was kind of halfway and then they're, and then Moses is going to come back with the message for the people of God. Okay? That's where we're at. And it says here that Moses was delayed. Which means they're growing impatient. Okay? They're growing impatient. We hate to wait. We all know that we hate to wait. They hate to wait too. So Moses was delayed and the people saw it. To come down from the mountain. So the people gathered themselves together... To Aaron, and they said to him, So their leader's not coming, so they go to kind of next in charge, Aaron. uh, they, They go to Aaron, and they say this. Look what it says here. Up. Make us gods who shall go before us. What a request. Think about this. God's people. Who have been so close to God over the last several years are now saying, he's taken too long. Aaron, can you make us another God? How quickly they have gone away from God. Do you remember how awful they were in slavery in Egypt? Do you remember them crying out, saying, this is awful. We can't take it anymore. Can God set us free? You remember that? And then God sets them free. And do you remember God showing his sovereign hand and power as he brought the ten plagues upon the powerful king of Pharaoh? And God continued to prove and continued to prove that God cannot be stopped and he set them free. Do you remember when they had their backs against the wall and they're stuck there at the Red Sea and they think, what in the world are we going to do? And Moses says, trust God. And God comes through and splits the sea and takes them through there. And they rejoice afterward because God killed their enemies as they were attacking them. And they went walked through on dry land. And they rejoiced that God had set them free. Do You remember that? Do you remember all of the history that they've got? Do you remember just a few sermons back where God renewed the covenant with them? And they said, hey, listen, we will do everything you tell us, God. We will obey it completely. Do you remember that pledge? The people of God telling God, we will obey you completely. They just had said that. And now, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's just taking his time. Moses hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't let them down. He just is not back yet. And they say, it's taking too long. It's taking too long. I want to ask you if you get impatient with God. And then I'm going to ask you when you're impatient with God, will you turn to something else? Are we that shallow? In our hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, he says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know that lyric. Is that you? If God didn't answer your prayer this week, did you run to something else that would? If God didn't supply for you this week, did you quickly say, OK, I'll find something else that will. It's unbelievable to see God's faithfulness to his people. Moses is delayed up there on the mountain. So they call up Aaron and they say, make us a God that will go before us. Not only have they said, make us a God that we can worship, but make us a God that will lead us. As if God has not been leading them well. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They are literally seeing the presence of God leading them as they travel to the promised land. And they're like, well, he's taking too long. Make us another one. Folks, can I tell you here today that if your God is not the supreme God, then he's not a God. If you can quickly turn from the real God to another God, then you didn't know the real God. God is so up and high above everything else that we are not quickly able to go and pick out another one. There is not another one. There is only one. What are they thinking when they think we will just get us another one? All we need is a God. Doesn't really matter which one it is. All we need is a God. And folks, how many people do you know that that is exactly religion to them? Doesn't really matter which one it is as long as they're religious. Doesn't really matter what denomination it is as long as they are religious. Doesn't really matter what uh, god they're believing in as long as they're believing in a god. So we've reduced it to, well I got my own personal faith. I'm a spiritual person. I've got I've got this. Had a conversation with a guy I met this, just this week. Had a good long talk with him. He does good work. He told me he used to be a Christian. And he used to be a preacher, but he's not anymore. I didn't have time to talk to him. We didn't have a chance to talk about why. But how do you leave the true God and go to something else? Is there something else? Or well, there might be something else that will answer you Quickly. There might be something else that will satisfy you temporarily. There might be something that will tell you what you want to hear. But let's make no mistake about it. There is only one that is holy and true. There is only one that is holy and true. Paul Washer says that idolatry is when you become the source of your joy. Or when something becomes the source of your joy. These people here were not willing to wait on God. So they said, just get us another one, Aaron. Keep reading with me if you will. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So they stay there in their statement. He's our leader. He's our good leader. He's the one that brought us out of Egypt. We were at our lowest and he brought us here to where we're at. We have seen him rescue us and save us and lead us time and time again. But We don't know where he is. So can you get us another? All the demands. All the self-centeredness. All the selfishness. I want to ask you if your Christianity, if your church involvement, if your religion uh, revolves around you. I'm going to ask you if this church isn't uh, satisfying you in every single little particular way. If you're going to go and find another. I'm going to ask you if I'm not the best pastor on the planet. If you're going to quickly go and say, well, let me find another. Because these people know that Moses is a good leader to them. But he's delayed. And so they said, find us another. How weak. How weak the bond. How weak the commitment. Verse two. So Aaron, who is the next in charge after Moses, says to them, "Okay, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Aaron doesn't push back. Isn't the mark of a good leader being able to tell you that I don't think you're right? You're wrong. Think about this, please. Hear me out. We don't want to do this. Moses says, okay. Can you imagine a leader of God's people being addressed by God's people? Hey, listen here, Aaron. We don't know where Moses is. He's delayed. He's taken too long. We need another God. Aaron goes, okay, well, just give me all your gold and we'll make one. What? Why in the world are there not all types of censors and convictions and accountability going on saying, no, this is not right? The Bible teaches us over and over again that we are a people that are holding each other accountable in love. And if we look like we're crossing the line, if it looks like we're falling away, then we need to sound the alarm and go to brother and sister and say, no, don't do this. Lecrae had a good CD that just came out this past week. And on that CD, he has a song and the whole song says, don't do it. And all he's doing is naming all of these situations. And he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Which is a good message that you and I need to be telling each other when it looks like we're about to walk into a situation that's going to ruin our lives. Somebody needs to say, listen, man, don't do that. And Aaron is the leader here. And the people come and say, we need another God. Ours is too slow. Our God is too slow. We're waiting on him. And he has always been good to us. He has always led us. He has saved us and rescued us and all this. But he's taking his time now. Can you make us another one? And Aaron says, sure. What? Folks, listen. Listen. I know I'm not the best pastor in the world, but if I get to where I'm just doing whatever y'all say instead of what God has told me to say, can somebody stop me? Would some of y'all come and please say, Josh, you're not doing what's expected. You're not leading us to God. You're leading us to us. You remember in the New Testament where it says, but be careful, Timothy, because in the coming days, people will seek out pastors that will speak to them what they want to hear. And he'll just tickle their ears and they'll say, oh, we love our pastor. He tells us what we want to hear and we're doing well. We said we wanted a new God. So, hey, he made us a new God like Aaron did. No. Can we be a people that say, I don't know what I desire and I don't know what you desire, but I know what God desires. And that's what we're going to work toward. And we're not going to get mad at each other, upset at each other or hurt by each other because we're committed to the truth. And if somebody is holding us accountable, like Proverbs says, iron sharpening iron, we're going to take it because we love each other and we're going to work to make each other stronger in Christ. Why didn't this happen with Aaron? They might have killed Aaron. They might have opposed him. They might have kicked him out. They might have beat him up. I don't know. But wouldn't it have been awesome if right here Aaron would have said, no, don't do that. God is much more worthy and deserving for you to get short with him and impatient with him. He's coming. He has never let us down. He's never failed me before and he won't stop now. The good song, popular song, Oceans says. Verse two, so Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people did it. They took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Now, when you and I read this, we're like, why in the world did you make a golden calf? But if you study history, they'll tell you that this became pretty common. And lots of different cultures were making a calf to worship. This, for some reason, seemed to be uh, an idol that they wanted and they worshiped a calf. We would probably never Uh, Made a golden calf. I don't know what we would make if we were wanting to make an image. uh, But they did. So it doesn't seem too strange to them. But he does. it. He takes all the gold and he's going to melt it down. He's going to shape it into a golden calf. They asked for a God. This is what Aaron makes. A golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Folks, that's a lie. That is a lie. Did that golden calf rescue them out of slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt? Did he? No. I want to ask you if there's a heart inside of you that says, I don't believe lies. I want the truth. I want to be real with y'all today and say, Do you want the truth? And can you be man enough, woman enough, big boy enough to say, I want the truth. Give me the truth. If the truth's going to hurt me, if it's going to convict me of my sins, if it's going to lead me to repentance, give it to me. Don't feed me lies, and don't let me believe lies. Because he takes their gold, he builds a calf, he makes it into a calf, and says, and they and they say, Here are your gods that brought us up out of Egypt. Bull, baloney, no way. Why would they believe it? Because listen, folks, inside of my sinful heart and your sinful heart, deep down is a desire to believe something that makes me feel good. How many hurting young people do we have running around the world today whose sexual lives are all messed up and they're hurting because they thought that person cared about them? Because they thought that person loved them. Because they thought he was the one. Because they thought that she was uh, committed. We believe things that aren't true. Folks, can we ask God to give us a heart and a desire to be committed to the truth? So that when we hear a lie, we say, man, it sounds pretty good, but it's not true. These are your gods that brought you up out of Egypt. Wouldn't it have been awesome if just one person would have stood up and said, no, it's not. It was God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, that brought us out of there and nobody else could. When Pharaoh kept putting forth people, magicians, trying to match all these plagues, nobody could do it. Only God can do that. God said he was going to kill the firstborn children, and he did. And it was not any man that was coming through doing that. It was God Almighty, our Savior, that was doing that. Where was the person who would speak up and say, that's a lie? We don't believe lies around here. We are committed to truth. We're a people of the truth. Verse five. When Aaron saw this, when Aaron saw them say, yes, that's our God, the one that rescued us. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. It's ridiculous. He's just going with it now. OK, it's y'all's God it works for you. OK, OK, we'll let's start worshiping it. He built an altar before and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now, since he uses there the big covenant name of, 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 of Yahweh. Some people are saying that, that Aaron is meaning that they're still going to worship the real God just through this cast. I don't really know. Either way, it's idolatry. Verse six. And they rose up early the next day. And offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They've created a big festival. They've created a big celebration around this golden calf that they are now declaring they're rescuing, saving God. How shameful. How shameful. How did they get to that point? How did they get there? You ever wondered why some people, as I I took a long walk, I was on a long walk with this man, and as I was talking to him, we were talking about an important issue, but as we were walking, I kept thinking to myself, how did he used to be a Christian, used to be a preacher, but now he's neither? He gives me a business card and it's got a quote from the Dalai Lama on it. How did he get in that position? How did he get there? Well, for them, Moses is up with God on the mountain and they just got impatient. They didn't want to wait anymore. In other words, God, I know what I want right now. Can you give it to me? Okay, no, you can't, God, right now? Okay, well, Aaron, can you get us another God? Yeah, sure. Okay, this works for me. Who's God in that story? The people. They are the gods of their own minds and the God of their own hearts. They are calling the shots. They are saying what they want. They are saying what it's best. And they're just finding somebody that can make it happen. They are acting like they are God. It is wrong, it is wrong, it is wrong. Martin Luther, the great reformer says, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God, your functional Savior. It's not really a Savior, but it's acting like one to you because it's answering and giving you all that you want. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in. Can you imagine going from the one true God who's done miracle after miracle after miracle to rescue you out of slavery and then Him being a little bit delayed on the mountain and saying, okay, well, we'll just take this gold, and make it into a cap, and that'll work. Folks, can you? relationship with God, your love for God, your faith in God, your view of God, your biblical, truthful understanding of God. Be so big. I urge you to search after him that it would be so big that turning to something smaller would be like a huge insult to you and to God. In the Psalms, when he was down and out, maybe in a similar situation, Psalm 73, he said, where where can I go from here, God? A much different attitude. Where can I go from here? Whom have I in heaven and on earth besides you? He says. See, when God becomes this great, big, loving, creator, saving God to you, when God is a sovereign, strong, Savior, Redeemer God to you, you're not going to leave Him quickly. Because you know there's nothing else to turn to. You may have to suffer through some tough times. Seeking out his will and his wisdom. But you know there's nothing else to turn to. How in the world did they do this? They've got a whole festival going on about it. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses. So now God. It's the first time we have God speaking here. The Lord said to Moses. Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Folks, this is the first time that God doesn't claim them. It's a big strong reminder to you and me. The Bible says that if you're ashamed of God, he will be ashamed of you. It says it in the New Testament. I know a lot I know God is huge and strong and everlasting I know that His love never fails. It never runs out. And I know that the Bible says that God's love is unconditional. And I know that if anyone is in Christ, He is secure. And nothing can snatch them out of God's hands. I know all of that. But let's not take that truth and push it so far to say that everybody is safe and saved. Because that's just not in the Bible. If you reject God, you will be rejected. If you don't want forgiveness of sins you won't be forgiven. If you, don't want to escape, if you don't want to escape the judgment, you will be judged. If you don't want to be with God in heaven, you will go to hell. God here says, Moses, go down there. For your people you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God keeps talking, keep reading. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. You remember that? God told them what to do and their answer was, we will do it. Remember that? And you remember me saying, thank God that our relationship with God is not based on our ability to be able to do it. Do you remember that? Thank God that our relationship with God is based off what Christ has done, not what we have done. Now, we don't earn it. We're not good enough. We're not going to be. We need the forgiveness of God. We need God. He says here, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I want to stop right there for just a second. I want to stop right there for just a second. You ever been left out, or forgotten, or neglected? You ever been in a situation where you thought you were a part of it, and next thing you know, everybody else is having a party without you? It hurts, doesn't it? And we're human to human, and it still hurts. I mean it hurts really bad. To be left out, neglected, ignored, forgotten. It does. Think about God being the one who's doing everything for his people. And as soon as he's delayed, they're like, okay, we're done with him. Isn't that the very definition of using someone? Oh, if you're going to do good for me, then I'll be all about you. But as soon as you're not here for a minute, as soon as you're delayed, okay, I'm done. It's awful to treat humans that way, your friends, your peers that way. But it's on a totally higher other level of wickedness and sinfulness to treat God that way. Folks, we are not God and trying to make a God fit into our lives of religion. We are sinners, humans that desperately need help. And God is the help. We need Him. He has answered. Let's go to Him. Verse 9 And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. They are stubborn, they are hard headed. They are very quick to do what they think they need to do instead of what truth tells them to do, instead of what God tells them to do. He has seen it. I want to ask you for a second to think about a big truth here. When they were down at the bottom of the mountain and Moses and God are delayed up on the mountain and they said, we don't know where Moses is. We're not really sure what's going on. at that moment, they are thinking and operating like God's busy, God's doing something. He's not involved. They had forgotten that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. They had forgotten that God sees everything. They had forgotten that no matter where we are and what they're doing, God has his eyes on us. One of my favorite songs is His Eye is on the Sparrow. Do you all know that song? If God is watching every bird, And he knows where they eat and how they feed and where they fall. Then I know he watches me. They had forgotten that. They had forgotten that. They thought that God was busy up on the mountain doing something with Moses. So he didn't care about them. So they're going to go and do this. And it's going to be okay for them to make up a God and go after it and worship it. They had forgotten about that. And so God tells Moses, no, I've seen them. I know exactly what they're doing. It was God that drew it to Moses' attention. Now, let me ask you for something. Did Moses see that? No. Moses couldn't have. Moses doesn't see everything. Right? Hey, the church doesn't see everything either. We don't know what y'all were doing. Y'all don't know what I've been doing. That's why we're not just a people. We're a people with our allegiance to God. That's why our driving factor is our accountability to God. God. That's why at the end of the day, it's this God's church. We are accountable to him. We know he watches everything we do. He sees everything we do. And if it's right, then praise God, it's for his glory. And if it's wrong, then we better run to Christ for forgiveness of sins because God is able to forgive. But if we ever get to thinking that God is not seeing this, then we cease to be the people of God. And we are now acting like God's ourselves and we are in our sins and we are wrong. That's not right. God says that he sees it. Verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. God says, I hate this. My wrath is is ready to burn against them. Moses, go down there. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy that people. I'll start over with you, Moses, and I'll create me a people that are going to be for my glory. I'm going to create me a nation that are the people of God, and I will do it by getting rid of them because they have disobeyed me yet again. They've created for themselves another God. They don't want me to be their God. They've made up a God that satisfies That's what God says. But we're thankful it doesn't end there. Let's keep going. Verse 11. But Moses, like a good leader should. Implored the Lord, his God and said, oh, Lord, he turns to prayer. He turns to prayer. Oh, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? See, he reminds them that they're your people. God has already tried to say these aren't my people. These are your people, Moses. But but Moses says, no, these are your People. From you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent that he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever." In other words, Moses appeals to the truth, to the, to the covenants that God has already said. Moses says, God, if you destroy this people, then all the covenant that you have said that you were going to do with this people, the rest of the world will look at and laugh at and say, God is not able to do it. God said he was going to take these people and make them into a great nation. And if you destroy them, then you were not able to do it and you didn't do it. God, don't do that, Moses said. And Moses prays. And in consistency with what we see throughout the whole Bible, including in the New Testament, we see the power of prayer. Moses goes to God in prayer and says, Moses, don't do that. Don't destroy those people. Have mercy upon them. And look what the next verse says. Verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Folks, I want to take a moment right now. To recharge your trust in prayer. Listen, every one of us in here has some big worries on our hearts. And I want to remind you today to commit yourself to pray for it and watch the Lord answer your prayers. Perhaps you've gotten so discouraged over a situation that you're like that saying, well, you know, this is it. It's not going to work out. I give up. And may we see Moses here in the face of what God says, says, no, God, here's what I know you to be like. Hear my prayer and do it. And God listens to the prayer of Moses. James 5, 16 says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And church, whatever it is, and believe me, on my heart and mind these days are a lot of heavy issues. Some of y'all have perceived that in me and been asking me about it. We have got to be a people who understand that our God knows what we're going through and we cry out to him in prayer. May we be a people committed to prayer, knowing that God sees this situation like he told him. It's not a good situation, but God sees this situation. He's got me here for a reason and he will work it out. May we do that. What boldness. This is the leader that we need. Notice the difference in the leadership between Moses and Aaron here, right? Quite a bit of difference. Aaron couldn't stand up to people. Moses stood up to God. Verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. What a picture. I don't want to take this too far, but what a picture of a man of God leader. Church, this is what we need. And I'm praying for God to raise up men and women in our church with a boldness like this. Moses is there before God. The people start acting up. God sees it. Moses doesn't see it. God gets mad and angry and says, here's what I'm going to do. And Moses cries out and says, no. God says, "Okay, I won't. And Moses leaves and he's going back to his people. The weight of the world on his shoulders, the burden of the people on his shoulders, he's leaving God and going to a messed up idol-worshiping people is where Moses is going. But he was willing to do it. Listen, there are many, many, many tasks before you and me this week, this year, this life. There are going to be huge hurdles to jump in the next year. There are going to be huge hurdles to jump and nobody really wants to do it. But for the sake of the gospel ministry, for the sake of Jesus as Lord, for the sake of our relationships, for the sake of God being worshiped and God being seen as the way he is. Let's go for it. Moses could have said, you're right, God, people messed up. Let's destroy them. I'm the only one that listens to you anyway. That's the way the kids talk. Last night I was getting upset at the kids over something. Maybe they weren't cleaning up or not. Oh, no, no, it was just this morning, right over here during prayer time. And and J.J. and Eli and Moses were jumping off of this thing like they do a lot. Jumping off of this thing onto the floor. I said, boy, I told y'all a hundred times. What are y'all doing? We can't be jumping off of here. I told y'all that. Noah goes, they started. I wasn't doing it. (laughs) J.J. and Eli were doing it. It wasn't me. I mean, after they did it, then I started doing it. But they started it. Noah said all of that. He's only three years old. We're real quick to do that. Moses could have so easily done that. But he didn't. God said He's going to take a people and get worship from them. And folks, getting to that point is hard. It is hard work. It will weigh you down. But it's worth fighting for. It's worth you and I as a church not quitting on each other. We just had a new members class this morning, week two. We talked about that very thing. We are not going to quit on each other. I want to labor until y'all say, Jesus is Lord. We want to love each other until we say, Jesus is Lord. Each other, not letting each other down. And Moses walks down the mountain. Keep reading verse 15. The two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, "Uh uh-oh. So now Moses back down the mountain. He's met up with Joshua. And look what he says. There's a noise of war in the camp. So they can't see it, but they're hearing something crazy going on at the camp. And Joshua says, man, there's war going on down there, Moses. We left for just a little bit and everything breaks loose. Verse 18. But, it, but he said, it's not the sound of shouting for victory. It's not the sound of the cry of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. What a crazy Thought. what a scene hey there's war going on down there oh no what could that mean wait a second Moses says well, no that's not war they're not crying out because they won and they're not crying out because they're losing I think they're singing they're either singing to God or against God let's keep reading verse 19 and as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing Moses' anger burned hot. Folks, we've been hearing for a while that Ray Rice abused his wife. we had heard a little bit about it. But once you saw the video, you got a little bit more upset about domestic violence, didn't you? Just the way it goes, when you see it, it's one thing to hear about it, it's another thing to see it. Everybody knows that rape happens all the time, Right? We see it all the time. Rape happens. It's bad that it happens. Can you imagine watching somebody get raped? Everybody knows that child abuse happens all the time, right? Can you imagine seeing it? Folks, when you see sin, does it dig deep? Does it make you say, oh, I hate it. I want to do something about it. Moses knew something bad was going on. They had heard it. He gets down there and he sees a cat. Can you imagine? All the slavery in Egypt, all the abuse, all the travel, all that were hungry, all the manna, all the quail, all of that that they've been through, the Red Sea, all of that. Moses up on the mountain pleading with God to be good to his people and lead his people. And he comes back down and all of the people, like a million people, are there worshiping a little golden cow. Can you imagine how broken he is? And how angry he is. Look what it says. Moses' anger burned hot. He threw the tablets out of his hands. What a scene. God, Moses takes the Ten Commandments written on the tablets and throws them down. They break at the foot of the mountain. Verse 20. He took the calf that they made. And burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. You made this mess. You better clean it up. In other words, what Moses said. And what a stern leader to come in and to not feel overwhelmed. It's him alone versus all of them. But guess who he had on his side? God. And you find a man of God that's got God on his side. He'll stand up to the people. He takes that calf. He burns it up. He takes those ashes, puts them in the water, and makes them drink it. You know why they listened? Because they had seen and heard from God before. Folks, I want to ask you, if the Holy Spirit conviction in you is strong enough to which you'll say, when I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. When I sin, I'll admit I sin. Like Moses just did. Verse 21, and Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them?" Moses immediately looks to Aaron because he knows that he was in charge. He says, what happened? How how did this come about? Aaron, explain yourself. Look what Aaron says. Don't be mad. Don't let the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know, the people that they are set on evil. Folks, it's bad leadership. He doesn't take responsibility for it. And he doesn't say that it was his fault at all. But he just says, you know, these people they messed up. There's a bunch of evil people around here. Moses. You know how they are. These are evil and wicked people. Folks, we don't want that. We don't want to be a people who are passing blame and not taking responsibility. We want to talk like we. We don't want want to talk like they. We want to talk like we. And we want to understand what's wrong. We want to understand what's right. And we want to be it. And Aaron doesn't do that. Verse 23. And he says this. They said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. Now that they did say. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him that they did say. Verse 24. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off that he did say. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. This is humorous in 2014. This sounds like a leader who knows he's in trouble and he's really quickly trying to get from the truth to get this out of the way. Everything he said was true, except for how the calf got there. He did take the gold and he did burn it, but then he made it into a calf. That was his idea. He said, out came this calf. The biggest and lamest of excuses you will ever see. And folks, can we, without riding it too much, can we hear today that most often time, when we're trying to excuse away our sins, they're pretty weak. When we're trying to justify our sinful actions, they're pretty off base, they're pretty weak, they're pretty out of line. Aaron says, Come on, you know these people, Moses, the evil people that are messed up. They said they wanted another God, they said that you were delayed. I told them to give me the gold, they gave me the gold, they threw it in the fire, and out came his calf. He wants Moses to go, Okay, well, let's just go deal with it. I want you to jump down with me now to verse 30 for time's sake. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. I want to stop here for just a second. We're a church. That means we want to live like God. We want to be a representation of God in the world. I want to ask you, are you willing to let somebody else in the church hold you accountable for your sin? When you sin, are you willing to let somebody say to you, hey, that's wrong. Now, let's remember that the Bible says we should not be uh, judgmental. The Bible says you should not be talking about the speck in somebody's eye if you've got a plank in your eye. All right, let's remember all of that stuff too. But the Bible does tell us that we are to hold each other accountable. We are to judge those inside of the church. We are to call people out in their sins and urge people to repentance. We are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to exercise mercy upon each other and urge forgiveness. But if somebody comes to you and says, I think you've sinned. Can you handle it? Do you see that as love? Or are you so proud and puffed up, you think, who do you think you are? Do you push back? Do you realize that in a good church, a strong biblical church, there should be holding each other accountable? A church discipline that calls us out of our sins? This is what happens here. Moses says, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps. I can make atonement for your sin. Does everybody there see the word perhaps? Folks, I want to tell you that Moses was a mediator between God and men, but he's not the mediator between God and men. 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Folks, I want to tell you that when Jesus stands between us and God, you will never ever hear the word Perhaps. Jesus as a mediator is as sure as sure can be. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that new creation is sealed with the blood of Christ filled with the Spirit of Christ. That new creation cannot be lost. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that there is nothing, no nothing, that can separate us from the love of Christ. If you're here today... And you know that in your sins, you need a mediator between God. I want you to see that Moses here is an example of what a mediator looks like, but he is not the mediator. Moses is not able to save anybody. Moses is an example in this passage of going between the people of Israel and God of what Jesus is really like. The Bible says that Jesus brings us to God. Jesus is the bridge for us to be able to get to God. There is no perhaps with Jesus. When you find yourself doubting, when you find yourself impatient, when you find yourself looking for something that's a quick fix, quick answer for you other than God, will you call it sin and will you turn to the mediator who died for sins? The Bible says while Christ was on the cross, that God put our sins on him so that he that knew no sin would become our sin. Our idol-worshipping sin. Our inability to trust sin. Our prone-to-wonder sin. Our puffed-up, selfish, I-need-to-get-an-answer-really-quick sin. Whatever our sin is, He took our sin and put it on Jesus so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ by faith. Look how this passage ends. Verse 31 so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now, if you will, forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron Made. You have God moving forward, leading His people. You have Moses standing as an in-between. God going to judge some of them. God going to keep leading some of them. Folks, I want to ask you where you are today. Knowing your sinful heart, knowing your, your shortcomings, will you trust in Christ to be the one that makes you right with God? We look at this passage and it's like a mirror of seeing us be impatient, seeing us being lazy, seeing us making excuses, seeing us wanting something that's a little bit faster than God. Will you turn to Christ and be forgiven? Will you set your heart right because you often want to be God of your own world? May we trust in Him and be forgiven of our sins and be faithful unto the God God. That's faithful to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the golden calf passage and what we're seeing here. Oh, God, have mercy upon us. For while it might not literally be a golden calf, God, there are so many things that you and I that we turn to. Father, I pray that you would have mercy upon our souls. That you would not judge us in our disobedience, but you would look to Christ and see us clothed in him. Father, have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.